Welcome to the All Manner of Things podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be rambling about abstract games. Hi, my name's Peter. And I'm Shondell. And in this podcast, we talk about board games. And today, we're rambling about abstract games. This is a really big topic. And we're going to be mentioning a bunch of games today. We're probably going to be mentioning a bunch of them in very, very brief terms. And then we're going to get into talking about some of our favorites in a little bit more detail. But before we do that, just a basic definition of what an abstract game is. Now, I've done like a two-second Google on it, so don't class me as an expert or anything, but there's basically, there's a couple of definitions to abstract games. The first is they call it like the perfect strategic game where there's no element of chance involved. And generally that's, a typical example of that is chess or go. Um, The other definition which is there as well, which is what we're going to talk a little bit more about, is the lack of a theme or a very light theme that's placed on top of a board game. Now, this is a very kind of murky grey area because there are some which have a, a light theme that play a little bit into the dynamics of the game and yeah, there's no there's no hard and fast yeah line on where a theme is just tacked on to an abstract game or when it becomes part of the game so one of the games that I just wanted to mention as an example of this is photosynthesis now photosynthesis we don't consider an abstract game because the light and shadow that's in that game, that light and shadow mechanism, um, if you don't know photosynthesis, it's a game about growing trees and there's a sun that travels around the board and casts light onto those trees to help Mm. them grow. Now, the light and shadow mechanism in it is clearly... Built into the theme. uh, Yeah, it's built into the theme. Like, it wouldn't... Without that theme, it doesn't sort of make as much sense. Yeah, I mean, you could still play it like, you know, there is... Uh, essentially an orb or something that goes around or just like a clock that that spins around, whatever you wanted to have um, that removed a theme from it. But but the fact that there's the shadows and it casts shadows and that blocks light from the trees behind it is very much a rule that's tied into the theme. And because of that, we don't consider it an abstract game. However, if you go on Board Game Geek... Everyone else considers it an abstract game. It is considered an abstract game. And that's why we're saying it's really hard to draw that line. When we're talking about abstract games in terms of what has a theme and what doesn't have a theme, it's really hard to draw that line. Some other games that we were thinking of are games like Citadels and Choreo. They're both games that have a theme, but it doesn't play through very strongly. None of the rules are inferred from it. There's just different roles which allow you to do different abilities. Those aren't considered abstract games. They're considered thematic games. Jaipur, Battle Line. Battle Line especially is cards with numbers on it that you're playing next to tokens. Yeah. But But they're more considered... They're not considered abstract games either. I guess maybe that one's considered a card game. I don't know why card games can't be abstract games as well. I would say they can. They can. So... The line is very grey is what I I'm guess, trying to say. I guess if you, if you take the first definition of abstract game where it being purely strategic, as soon as you make it a card game, there's a shuffle involved and therefore it's not strategic. But yes. we're just going to be talking mainly about this 
thin veneer of a theme to no theme at all in that definition. Yeah. So in talking about that, when you think back to a lot of older games, more traditional games, like you've already mentioned chess, but you've got other games like backgammon. Chinese checkers. Yeah. And then you've even got things like Connect Four. Yeah. Those are very strategic and they have absolutely zero theme on them. Then you've got games like Scrabble. That doesn't really have a theme. It's making words. It's not really a theme. Tic-tac-toe, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Also games like Jenga and the oldest game in our board game collection, Crokinole, which is a flicking game. So you flick things across the board. Is that one really strategic? I think so. Absolutely. It's more a dexterity game. Same with Jenga. Yes, but there's no theme involved and it's all strategic. There's no, I guess... The you it's more even skill kill. or dexterity than strategy. Look, I, I still would say that that is definitely an abstract game. Yeah. In my, if you're taking it from the terms of, lack of, um, lack of a theme, then those are definitely abstract games. This is why we're saying it's really hard to get a, a solid definition of this game, of of this terminology. But in basic, we're talking no theme versus theme. Yep. So to go on to more modern games. Just quickly, we wanted to talk about a few modern games that have absolutely zero theme on them. So this is a list that we've come up with. And these are just this is just what we've come up with. There are hundreds of games out there. These are just some that we've played and that we've liked. So we were going to mention them. We've got Quicks. Yes. Take Six or Six Minute or Minute or however you say it. No Thanks. Trillith and Tack. Yep. Now, Trillith and Tack are quite different to the first ones. The first one, Quicks, Take Six and No Thanks, I would say are all filler games. Yeah. They're very quick games. Take Six and No Thanks are both card games. Quicks has dice and it's just a roll, roll and write, I heard someone say the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're, they're quite straightforward games. No theme attached to them. Trillith and Tack are more... More meaty in the strategic. Yeah, they got wooden bits, they're, wooden pieces. Yeah, and generally, I mean... Generalization, but both of those actually have like a, a chessboard like layout with yep. it, both with, with blocks, wooden blocks, and very no no luck at all. Strategy, strategy, strategy. Yes. So, in terms of abstract games, and, and both uh, ticks both boxes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, we're going to get onto, I think, the meat of this, which is talking about some of our favorite games. And our favorite games tend to be abstract games that do have a theme plastered on them but it doesn't really impact the game. So even though it has a theme, it's not really a thematic game. Yeah, yeah. For example, this is not one that's in our list, but for example, chess. If you think about it, chess has a theme. You've got a king and a queen and you've got knights yep. and a castle. You have rooks and pawns. and So it is, it's yeah, like a medieval yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah. But there is no way you're playing that going, thinking that you're moving a knight forward to attack. You know, yeah. the only reason you know the names of the different pieces is because they move differently. Yep. So we're talking about that sort of game, a game that has a theme on it, but it doesn't really impact the playing of the game. Mm-hmm. So what I've got in front of me is a little pile shuffled up of these games that we wanted to talk about. And we're going to draw them out one at a time and talk about what we like and what we don't like about them and just a quick description of the game. The first up is King Domino. Ah, Yes. King Domino, essentially you are a king in charge of your kingdom, building your kingdom, and you draw from domino-style 
cards. I'm going to call them cards. What do you pieces. call them? Just pieces, generally split in half, uh, which have got like the swamp to desert to water, etc. And you build up your mass of land. And slowly, if you join the lake with a lake and it's got like a, like a crown on it, then you times the crown number by the number of squares that are connected to it in order to get a, a score. Yeah. So it does have that theme of a kingdom and the tiles are different types of land in the kingdom, but really it's pretty abstract. It's pretty it abstract. Could be yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, it, could it could go back to it being dominoes. Maybe the first time they played this or play tested it, they were playing with dominoes. Who knows? Yeah. What I like about this game is that it's zero setup time. It's quick and easy to play. It's pretty straightforward to explain. Yep. And the great rookie game. Yeah, that's actually a thing about abstract games. I was thinking about it and almost all abstract games you could probably say are rookie games based on the simplicity of them. I don't know, chess isn't... Well, And look, yeah. okay, yes, you do have a lot of people that first time playing games, they, they jump into chess. Hmm. But yeah, it's the strategies, pretty, it's pretty this, steep learning curve on that one. The strategies are tricky to work out how to play mm. these games. Yeah. But... The basic gameplay of them, how you play them, is generally straightforward. And it's sort of the game that the first time you play it, if everyone's playing it for the first time, you might not really get that strategy and you just fluke it in. But the more you play it, the more you really understand the strategy and the more it becomes about crunchy decisions. That's what these games are. Okay, next one. All right, the next one is Splendor. Splendor. So Splendor is a game about um, mines for different precious jewels. You have cards that give you more, well, the cards are the mines. So you spend your jewels to build the mines to get more jewels, to build more mines pretty much. Yep. You've got little tokens that you can collect at the start, which are the gems and used to buy your first mines. But once you've got the mines, you can use them to buy more mines. That's basically it. Yeah. Victory points for more difficult mines to build. Another great game, though. Very good game. Excellent, in fact. And one that why I like this game is that it's very, again, very simple to explain. Uh, the theme isn't super strong, but it doesn't really need to be because I think it would be a distraction if it was. It's very strategic, and yet at, at another level, it can be quite easy just to teach someone to be able to go, okay, you need gems to bind, buy mines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think I like that there's also several different pathways to victory because you can be the person who builds a lot of mines to attract nobles yeah, or you can just go for the most, you can be the person who's just aiming for that really expensive mine on the table. So, you know, there's a few different ways you can go. I tend to go the same way every time because I like <laughs> collecting more and more of the cheap mines. Yeah. Um, but doesn't necessarily I tend to lose a lot at the same time probably because I'm so predictable okay so King Domino versus Splendor which one would you rank higher I'd go Splendor over King Domino quite easily I don't know about easily but I think I do have to agree with you maybe just because we've had Splendor for longer and we still enjoy playing it so I know it's got that time yeah longevity yep to it all right you ready for the next one I'm ready okay Arboretum. Oh, 
Yes, Arboretum. Am I going to explain Arboretum? Okay, Arboretum, if you don't know what an Arboretum is, is a row of trees. And that's essentially what you need to build with your deck of cards. Now, everyone shares, you know, there's, I think there's about six or seven different varieties of decks of, of trees. Depends on the number of players. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on your turn, what you do is you pick up two cards. One, uh, you can pick up a visible card that you can see the tree or, or a blind on the blind deck. And then you have to put down two. So you put one to build your arboretum and one to discard. The trick in this game is blocking the other person with the cards that you have in your hand. And it yes. all comes down to the value cards you have. Yep. And the cards in your hand are what allows you to score the cards in your arboretum at the end of the game. And we should say the cards are very simply just pictures of trees with numbers. So they're a type of tree and number one to eight. What do I like about this game so much? (laughs) This game, as soon as we start playing, we just start laughing because in terms of crunchy decisions, this one's... Number one. Absolutely. This this is... It's like the first or second rounds, you just feel the pain yeah. of having this co- internal conflict as to what to put down in front of you and what to put, to discard. And we're not usually big fans of games that have... Take that. Take that. Yeah. But this one is very take that and we really enjoy it though. So it's, it's very much... Exactly, which is kind of strange. It's and kind of what makes it funny though. Yeah. Like it's just, this is hilarious. I've got like four cards. I've got seven cards in my hand. Four of them are just to block you from scoring. I've only got three cards to try and score my own tracks and they're probably not going to count for anything because you've probably got four of the same type that are worth more. Absolutely. And you'll find that one round you'll be like, oh, I can't build anything on my arboretum. And the next round is you've got, I've got all these cards I want to put down on my yes. arboretum. It just, it just swings so And then fast. you've got your own conflict as well, not just do I keep these cards to hurt the other person? Do I keep these cards to benefit myself? You've also got the conflict of what cards do I keep in my hand to try and score this path? What cards do I put down on the table to get more points when I do score this path? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant little game. If you want to know more about it, we have done a full review of this game and we just I love it. I think we so. spent the, the entire time just being so happy and yes. overjoyed by the crunchiness of this game. It's so good. So in terms of the list... Ah, uh, number one. It, yeah, I was going to say. No Straight question about it. Top. Straight to the top. Okay, next game. Sagrada. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, your turn. My turn. Okay, so Sagrada is a pretty game. <laughs> That's it. It's a pretty game. <laughs> yes. It's, it seems to me the way that people are going with abstract games is make them pretty. It's um, a game where you roll some dice and... Like you draw, randomly draw out dice, they're all different colours. You roll them, then you have to try and pick them, which ones you want to put in your stained glass window. Very light theme building the stained glass window. Your board has, um, some spots have certain colours on them, some spots have certain numbers, and you have to match those dice to those colours and numbers. And then you've got to try and get as many down as you can. I guess, and also there's bonuses for certain, if you get certain things on your board, 
it's a after you roll, it's backwards and forwards picking dice between you and the other person. Well, I suppose around the table if you're playing with more than two players. So there's a, there's an element of randomness when you or luck when you roll the dice. Yes, and I think there is as much as people say abstract games are all strategy. Yeah. A yeah. lot of them are dice or card games, yeah. and whenever you're playing with dice or cards, there is always some luck because there is that randomness from the roll of the dice or the shuffle of the cards. Yeah. Why I love this game. Well, apart from being super pretty, yes. it is, again, I keep saying the same thing, which is it's very easy to explain what you do. You simply put the dice out on, on your stained glass window and you just um, roll and it's quite quick, the turns as well. I, I'll, I'll give you that if you don't, if you don't have analysis paralysis yes. with some of it. Which is probably the same for most abstract games. I think we're finding... The more we delve into these, it's more, it's the same thing we like about these games. Yeah. You do have that little bit of take that in it. If you can plan, like, if I take this dice, it means that you can't put that into your window. But generally with this game, I think that it plays better for two players for that reason. Yeah. That you you can't really plan your turns that well because you're counting the other person rolling the right numbers for you to yeah. grab that dice. And there's also the, like, I take a dice, you take a dice, you take a dice, I take a dice. So if there's two dice on the table I want, which one do I want more because... Yeah. Which one's going to... Well, if you take yeah. the other one or... But then maybe I want this one more, but then if you take that one, then I'm left with nothing that I can take. Um, whereas if I go the other way, at least I can get something, you know. It's that yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, crunchy decisions. Where are we going to put this in the list? Oh, um, so Sagrada, above and below Alvaretum? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I might even put it, we'll put it definitely below Arboretum. Yep, above or below Splendor. I'm going to go with below Splendor, but above King Domino. Yeah. Let me think about this for a moment. It's a tough one because, like I said, I know that Splendor's got that long- longevity. Yeah. Whereas I don't know with Sagrada because it's a newer game. But can I judge it based on that? Because it is a newer game, so it's unfair to... Well, it's not as pretty as Sagrada, is it, Splendor? No, you're right. You're right. Um, What I put... This is... This is this is what we go through make every time we try and just, make just a top make a decision. three. Just, just do it. Do this it. Time element is there. I think I put Splendor. I put think I put Splendor above Sagrada. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, you disagree? I disagree. We're, we're going to be in let's, conflict on that one. Let's put them side by side. Side by side. Okay. Um, this is what we go through every time we try and come up with top threes, but it's on our own. So that's why we thought today we'd let you in on the process. The next game. Very, very similar to Sagrada. You may have heard of it. Winner of Spiel to Yaris this year, 2018. It's Azul. Azul. <laughs> yes, Azul. Uh, Azul is, we had a bit of fun with this one because the theme is laying down tiles, but it is not a tile laying yes. theme. I mean, it's not a tile laying uh, mechanic. So no. when you think of a tile laying game, you think of something like Carcassonne or is it Tikal? Yeah. Where yeah, you're laying yeah, yeah. tiles and exploring, building the board bigger and bigger. That's it, not what Sagrada is. No, no. No, because we're talking about Azul anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's yeah. not what Azul is. 
but when it comes to Azul, you are purchasing tiles from factories and you get to select you know a a, a colored tile from a fa- from a factory and you grab all the corresponding same colored tiles of that factory and then you place the the discarded ones in the center of the table and then you put them on your little tableau any ones which don't fit properly become cracked tiles and work against you and it's matter then um, once you have tiles in that center area the person has a choice between choosing from the factory or choosing from that center table area yes and again every time bringing just one color to that tableau yep and all of that type of tile what I like about this game is it does vary from a two-player game to a higher-player game. And what I like for the two-player game as opposed to the higher account is actually different. So we played it as a two-player. And as a two-player, it can be a bit more take-that-ish because yeah. you can really build up one colour in the centre if you know the other person is going to be forced to take that colour at the end of the at the end of the round. I, I really haven't gone to that far as to be able to build up a certain colour and to, and work out which colour the other person has. But that take but the, that, that, that of, is of there. Le- you know picking the one you know when it's like the the last round or second last round, and you can start seeing that there is a colour um, that the other person desperately doesn't want. Yeah. Then, then I would. Then I'd probably use that. And you I, can't. You can. You can see what the person doesn't want, but also, if you're seeing the person's going for, say, one of the bonuses is getting all five tiles of one color on your yeah, yeah. floor or whatever it is you're making. When you can see someone's going for that, you can take those tiles and try and prevent them from getting that you know there is definitely ways to mess people up and I feel that plays through a lot more in the two-player game than the higher player count the higher player count what I found more interesting and more fun with the strategy was if you know you need say one of the black tiles and two of the blue tiles and you go okay if I take but there's only one blue tile on that tile and one blue tile on that tile. Maybe I'll wait until they go into the centre and then I can yes. get the two. Yeah. Um, so I'll take the black tile now. But you've got more players before it comes back around to you and chances are by the time it gets back around to you, someone else has already taken one of those blue tiles yep. and you're left not being able to get and you've still yep. got an, a row that's not finished. Yep. So it's very much thinking... What do I need more urgently rather than what's the cleverest way I can get it? Because if I don't take it now, it might not be there by the time it comes back around to my turn again. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially what you're saying is there's less strategy with more players. No, no. Because then it just comes around to the luck of what tiles are left for you. No, no. They're still like trying to think. It's definitely a strategy of... I say that there always is a strategy, but when there's two players, I don't think it's more. No, I don't think it's more or less. No, I think it's different. Okay, it's different, but it's not more or less because it's going. If I leave that, it's like it was the same sort of thing in Sagrada. If I take this one now and leave that one, yeah, um, and that one just happens to get taken up before it comes back to me again, what am I going to do? 
different, like, what am I going to do then? You know, is that going to really mess me up? Would yeah. it be better to take that one now and leave this one for later sort of okay. thing? You know, okay. very similar to Sagrada in that respect. I found that more with the three-player game than I did with the two-player game because the two-player game, you had – there was only one other person and, you know, chances are they weren't going to take that one thing that you needed. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt a lot more – you had to plan a lot more what you needed in the three-player game. So yep. I don't think it was more luck. I think it was still strategy, just different strategy. Okay. I felt the two-player game, you could probably mess someone over a little bit more. So there was more of that strategy, keeping an eye on what the other person was doing. But with a three-player game, you had two people to mess up for you to be able to benefit from it. And it's a lot trickier to try and work out how to do that. So it's different. It was different. Which is good. It's nice when games play differently with different player counts. Gives you a little bit of variety with the game. Okay. Um, so what? where would you place that? Because I know exactly where I'd put that. How about I just say it? How about you say <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> because I, I'm I'd, looking at these I'd names it, in I'd, front of me and look, I'm I'd struggling. put it straight underneath Arboretum. Um, I believe that it's better than Splendor and Sagrada. All right. Uh, I think I'd agree with that. Although I don't know if I'm just jumping on the bandwagon because it's so popular at the moment and that's why I'm putting it up there. That's my disclaimer. I'll put it second for now, but... It may go down in time. Yes. Yes. Which is interesting because we've got one more piece of paper left and I'm struggling to think what it would be because I thought that was all our top games there. So let's see what this last game is. Pueblo. Ah, Pueblo. I don't know. That. <laughs> I better edit that one out because that's terrible and it's probably total dis, um, disrespect to someone. Disrespect. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's the Indian people of America. Is that what it is? Yeah, I yeah, South yeah, America. Yeah, Pueblo yeah. sounds very Spanish. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Probably. But it's something to do with the yeah. tribe. Chieftain. Chief. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this game, I'm the one who's describing this game and I'm the one who hasn't played it. But basically, you've got a chief who walks around the outside of the board yep. and you are building this sort of structure in the middle. So you've got different coloured pieces and everyone's building onto the same structure. And when the chief is in line with a particular point, you don't want your colour to be visible. Yep. So you're trying to build it, you have to add stuff to it but at the same time you want to add it in such a way that more of it can be hidden from the chief when yeah. it comes to scoring is that uh, basically it it's pretty much it there's one thing you're lacking sorry, there's one thing you've missed which is that you end up with a neutral colored block and your colored block and you have to put down your neutral color block and, and and the other color block so the neutral color block that can hide your block okay. essentially um and yeah it's uh look it is it is a beautiful game it is just really really amazing to play this game see now this game i didn't play it but i walked in when the game was halfway through and watched it playing being played and it just looked like so much fun and i don't know whether that was just the crowd of people who were playing at the time it was a really good bunch of people and everyone was having a laugh and yep. you know because really with this game the Apart from the neutral coloured blocks, the way to stop yourself being seen is to make other players be seen. Exactly. And it does have a little bit of a, maybe a, 
a gang up mentality, I suppose, to this particular game. Maybe it was just, the, again, the, the who we were playing it with at the time. But the you you there is they make it so it's almost impossible that you can hide all your colours. Yeah, some and of it's going to be seen. Exactly. And the taller that you make this building, the more points deduct or more points, negative points you get. But if you spread out too wide, spread then out. there's more visible exactly, as well. Exactly, exactly. Look, it's very clever um, and uh, it, 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 zero, I mean, there's a little bit of um, setup time, but to explain this game is, is quite easy, especially if you have it in front of you um, rather than trying to talk about it. And, and it's been like, uh, I think... What about it? Six months since we've played this game? Probably even yeah. longer than that. Yeah, I think longer than and that. And I still have fond memories of this one time that I played it. Yes. It is really good. Yep. Really enjoy it. So, where would, where I would you place it? Oh, no, you, you tell me where you've... I've, I've okay. said it a few times, the places. I think I would put this one above Sagrada and Splendor. Wow, Above excellent. King Domino. Yep. Below Azul, maybe. <laughs> maybe That's pretty high. Azul. That's pretty high. I know, yeah, and yeah. I haven't even played it, but it yeah. just looks like so much fun. Yeah. And it's definitely a high interaction game because, like I said, you have to, yeah. you have to hurt the other people to help yourself. Uh, I think maybe I'll put it above Azul for that reason. I think strategically it probably will go above Azul. I'm tempted to put it on the same line as Azul. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is quite different. It's hard to judge games that are so different, which is why it's always so hard to come up with a top three because, you know, even within one category, games can be quite different. But I think Azul can be sometimes feel a little bit like a multiplayer solitaire. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Pueblo is definitely a multiplayer game. And for that reason, I'm placing it above us all. Yeah, I'd go as far as to say that as well. I think that's that's definitely a strong suit of it. I think you could almost get away with this one being a party game with the interaction that it has with it. I wouldn't go as far as to call it a but party game. We'll be doing another part of a podcast on what a party game is another day. Yeah, true, but the, the strategy of it is just, and the interaction and the yeah. – well, let's that's just say we had, we had such a great time. We just had a great laugh over what yeah. was happening with the Indian And that's chief. what I love about Arboretum as well. It's that interaction, you know, like yeah. even with a high strategy game to be able to get that interaction which is what you really you know that's why we play games yeah definitely you don't and we don't play solitaire games at all um once once in my life i have played one of our games that is able to be played as one player as a one player game and you know do you get the same enjoyment out of it no No. so so there you have it our top three abstract games as determined today are arboretum Pueblo and Azul, followed closely by Sagrada, Splendor and King Domino. Now, we really, we were thinking when we were coming up with this list of games, we come up with a bunch of other ones, so we're just going to name them randomly for you. If you are interested in abstract games and you want to know a few more, we've got Hey, That's My Fish, which is a great one to play with younger kids. It's a bit of a family game. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Suro and Indigo, which are both sort of following paths, putting down tiles to follow paths. And then there are all the Tetris-style games that are coming out nowadays that we have actually played None of, so we couldn't talk about. So you've got Patchwork, Bear Park, Cottage Garden, Indian Summer. 
And I'm sure there are a gazillion more abstract games out there. But before we leave today, we wanted to talk about one game each that's an abstract game that we are interested in playing. So do you want to talk about yours first? Yeah. Uh, look, I've had my eye on this game for probably last six months and it just looks so simple but and completely abstract. Uh, it's called Onatama. And you're set up with a, a mini-sized chessboard with only, what, three, four pieces. And you get to control the movement and direction of those pieces by cards you draw. And you choose um, one, of the, one of the cards and you discard it and you get to pass the other card on to the other player or something along those lines. But either way, it's the idea of moving these, moving these pieces around in different ways every time and to block the other person knowing what moves they are going to need in order to capture your pawns or essentially your pieces that are sitting on your board. It just looks really simple but very highly strategic and I I, I just can't get over this this particular game. It just it just feels really exciting and fresh and new and a great take on chess, of all things. So I never thought that I would be going to that extreme with an abstract game. But this one just, it's got me beat. It, it, I've just, I saw a YouTube video on it and I can't get out of my head. You know, it's funny that you should say that because the entire reason we were doing this podcast is because I felt like I needed to apologize to abstract games because it was not that long ago that I just said, no, I'm not a fan of abstract games. I don't like abstract games and I wouldn't even try them. And now I've completely flipped around and I am, at the moment, I'm loving abstract games. The modern trend at the moment, especially on Kickstarter, is get a theme, i.e. zombies or something along those lines, and get a popular theme and then just um, work your mechanics around that theme. And it it, it feels a little uh, done samesy almost. It's almost like we're coming full circle to the old classic style of lack of games but real crunchy games you can just explain in five minutes but there's so much depth in the strategy that it it really does it really sticks you down and thinking it's not the world it's us we've come around to really going you know what this is what i'm in the mood for at the moment so my game that i really want to try um i don't know how long it's been around for and it seems like a quite a common game, but I've only just noticed it on our Instagram feed and thought that looks really interesting. It's a game called Blockus. And basically what it is is you have, it's sort of a Tetris style game, I guess. You have a whole bunch of pieces in your colour and different Tetrisy shapes and you have to fit as many as you can on the board, taking turns going around. The clincher is that your pieces must be touching by a diagonal, so corner to corner. Yep. And yeah, and then you just have to try and fit them in. And it just looks really, you know, it's very simple. You take a turn, you put one of your tiles down and you try and fit as many on as you can. It looks very simple, yet again, really clever. And when you look at these boards of people finishing this game, how your pieces sort of weave into other players' pieces because they only need to be touching by a corner. And and what is your strategy? Is, is it kind of bunch those this, your colours together or branch out as far and to trap the other person, block them. Yes. I mean, essentially, I mean, the game's called Blockus. I think the idea is that you're supposed to try and block people, so... Or they are because it's called... Because they're blocks that you're playing with, essentially. 
Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's another abstract game that I am looking forward to trying in the not too distant future. You've been listening to the All Manner of Things podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us podcast at allmannerofthings.com or alternatively you can visit our website at www.allmannerofthings.com thanks for listening bye brooks yeah, rooks and pawns, and uh, that's bad not being the believer. <laughs> you have rooks and, and sorry, you have rooks and pawns. What I like about this game is it does quite pay. A bit. What I like about this, like, <laughs> this I got my puppy under control.